Welcome to our evening service. We're going to begin, please, with number 653, Behold the Glories of the Lamb. And with this theme in our hearts tonight, let's stand as we worship the Lord. Bow, please, before the Lord now in prayer. Our loving Father, we thankful for the blessing of being in the evening service tonight. And Lord, to enjoy the full Sabbath day set aside for the worship and the praise, the thanksgiving and the preaching of the Word of Christ. And Lord, tonight we rejoice again that we are here. Remember, Father, those who are not able to join with us in person, and bless them tonight where they are. And we pray the usefulness of the technology will also be an encouragement and a help. And Lord, as we have gathered tonight, starting with this paraphrase from Revelation 5, O oh God, we are thankful for the ability to echo the great truth and doctrine of the glories of our great Redeemer. Lord, we know there's coming a time, and before long we do not know the time frame. We will be in glory, and we will be with our Lord and Savior, and singing that song of Moses and the Lamb. And Father, what a praise and worship, 
and thanksgiving time that will be, not held back by anything that currently restrains us, wandering minds, distractions of one kind or another, the limitations of a sinful heart that stops us from worshiping the way we should. And yet, Lord, tonight we know that we are redeemed. We know our sins have been forgiven. We know we have a home in glory. And therefore, as we come to the conclusion of this day, we are a day's walk nearer home. And Lord, until we come to that time, we pray that we will be found faithful in presenting the wonders of our Lord. Help us, O God, whether we are in personal communication by way of witnessing, whether we have the opportunity of teaching in a Sunday school class, a Bible class, or some other way of speaking out the Word of Christ to neighbors or friends or family. Lord, make use of us, we pray, to the end that our Savior will be glorified. Lord, meet with us tonight, we ask. Bless every part of our service. We again specifically commit, Lord, this next week earnestly in prayer. We know that as we set ourselves to seek Your face, that, Father, the devil would love to find some way of stopping or of hindering us from coming to pray. Lord, we ask that Satan will be defeated in every attempt that he has to disrupt or disturb the time where we have set apart to seek the face of our God. Lord, we are earnest to do business with our God this week. Father, we want to come with hearts that are prepared and ready. We want to come to set, Lord, before You the things that the Spirit would lead us to pray, those things we have need of. Lord, even now, perhaps we are not even conscious of those specific matters, but through the Word of God, and even through the encouragement and prayers of other people, that we'll be drawn closer and closer to our Lord. And Father, we'll be strengthened with might in the inner man. We'll have on all the armor by prayer. We'll hold firmly the shield of faith. That we'll be able to resist and ward off all the fiery arrows of the evil one. And Lord, help us therefore to be strong and to walk by faith and to walk in obedience to Your Word. Cleanse our minds. Cleanse our hearts. Help us, Father, we pray, to offer the sacrifice from our hearts with all earnestness and zeal and faithfulness. Lord, remember again tonight those from our own congregation that are sick, whether elderly or some illness, some prolonged disease perhaps. Lord, encourage the hearts of those who are set aside now where one time they enjoyed good health, but now it is not that case. Lord, let the, not the heart be discouraged. May there be strength and power and spiritual uh, zeal to go on with God. Oh Lord, hear our prayer tonight. Remember those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. We pray, Lord, for those in countries or in places 
perhaps even in prison, where a persecution is on the rise. We ask, Lord, for help for Your people in those countries and nations where they are in harm's way. We pray again tonight for the believers in Israel and the believers in Gaza. We ask, Lord, that their witness would be a a strong one. We think of the believers that are in the Ukraine and in those places where the war is going on and perhaps sometimes, Lord, we, we forget or we do not hear how difficult it is. Lord, pour out Your grace and help us, we pray, to be an ongoing and living testimony and to remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. So, Lord, please exalt Christ in our gathering tonight and let our hearts be drawn near to Him. So, Father, hear our prayers. Comfort every soul. We ask all these things in Christ Jesus' precious name. Amen. We'll continue, please, in our praise. A well-known hymn, Are You Washed in the Blood? Number 298. And we'll stand, please, again as we sing. One, of course, are very precious and good. Lay aside the garments that are stained by sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Great gospel invitation. 
And yet for everyone who truly is a believer, there is great hope and thanksgiving and joy in knowing we have peace with God because we have been cleansed. We have been washed and our sins have been taken away. And so there is great peace for us. Let's sing this final verse with all our hearts. singing to the Lord uh, tonight. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah chapter 53. We sometimes read this portion of Scripture at our communion table, and for very good reason. It is an appropriate portion of the Word of God, very solemn and very meaningful, and let us read it in the Spirit of the Lord. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see Him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. He was despised, and we esteemed Him not. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, 
neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. We know the Lord will bless his own holy word to our hearts tonight. As we have read, may it be a blessing to you. Very happy that you're with us tonight in our evening service. And if you're here in person for the first time, maybe you've come back, you're very welcome and we're happy that you're here and viewing our service online tonight. May the Lord open your hearts to His own Word and all of us for that matter. we very mindful of His presence with us. We want you to remember, please, in prayer, those ones we have been mentioning to you, uh, thinking about Reverend Stephen Hamilton again tonight and his need of the Lord's hand upon him. He is on a, on a waiting list for a kidney transplant at this time, and we pray that the Lord would help him as he, well, has on dialysis now three times a week. Remember, please, in prayer also, the needs that Glenn McFarlane has, and uh, it was good to see Glenn in the service again today. He is uh, very ill, and so do remember him before uh, the Lord. I want to think about each night this week as we've set aside this time on our church calendar, and we do each year this uh, final full week of January uh, to meet with the Lord. And we set aside this time each night from 7.30 to 9 p.m., a different theme of focus each night in our prayer, and we encourage you and each family to be represented each night at the throne of grace before the Lord. As I mentioned this morning, we are seeking the Lord for the election of two new elders to our congregation. This is a very happy situation as we see that need and want to see men brought to the next level and be able to serve God in this capacity. So please be in prayer. That will give you more details in the next little while about how this will proceed. Remember, please, then, uh, oh, by the way, Wednesday night and Friday night, we want to have fellowship time, just something very light refreshment uh, after the two nights of prayer this week. And then next Lord's Day, our Bible classes at 9.45 in the morning, and then 11 and 6.30, our morning and evening services, remembering these things earnestly before the Lord in our prayers. Let's sing again to the Lord's praise now, number 553. 553. Precious Savior, 
Thou hast saved me. Thine and only Thine I am. Oh, the cleansing blood has reached me. Glory, glory to the Lamb. We'll stand pleased to sing. sung is certainly fitting as we are thinking tomorrow evening and focus in our prayer time that the Lord would draw near to us and reinforce the need that we all have to walk with our Lord and to be close with Him. This is not an easy thing in the Christian journey because there are many forces and the devil well, he's always nipping at our heels, and he always wants us to, well, turn aside and not just be too worried about walking with the Lord. Ah, but the words of this hymn, consecrated to thy service, I will live and die for thee. That's a good prayer to pray, and something that's so important for us. In us of ourselves, we can't do it. Uh, we don't have the power to do it. Ah, but in the Lord, He strengthens us to be able to follow Him in that way. Let's sing this final stanza. Glory to the Lord who bought me. Glory for His saving power.
child, if you were wondering, had I forgotten that we sang this hymn last Lord's Day? No, I did not, but uh, it was one that was new to us, or is new to us, and so I wanted to sing it again. It's certainly so appropriate to the theme that we are thinking about. Turn back in your Bibles now to John's Gospel, chapter 1. Don't forget to get your copy of the current magazine. Mentioned that this morning. The newest edition is on the table at the back. And also, we have the 2024 church directory. And if you would like to get one of those, if you're a part of our congregation, while you speak to uh, one of the men at the door, and they'll be sure to give you one. The Gospel of John. Chapter 1, we're reading from verse 15. John bare witness of Christ and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake, that he cometh after me, is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? And he saith, I am not. Art thou that prophet? And he answered, No. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. And they which were sent were of the Pharisees. And they asked him and said unto him, Why baptizest thou then, if thou be not that Christ, nor Elias, neither that prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Betharba beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh or beareth away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Lord, we ask again, 
now that we have the Scripture open and we have read, come and stand by us, Lord. Sit next to everyone in the pew. And may we be very conscious of Your presence with us tonight. Lord, take away those things that so often come to distract us. We know it's the devil's plan to steal away the seed of the Word. Whatever aches and pains or concerns or burdens might be upon any one of us, Lord, shut those aside for now. And may our attention be drawn toward our Savior. So, Father, please hear our prayer tonight. Draw near. Strengthen me that I may speak as Your servant in the Word of God. We ask these things now in Christ's precious name. Amen. John the Baptist had received a very high commendation from the Lord Jesus Christ that's recorded in Matthew chapter 11. He said, of those born of women, there hath not arisen a greater prophet. That's quite amazing when you consider all the prophets that were in the Old Testament. Well, did that mean that John was holier than all the other prophets? No, I don't believe so. Does that mean he was more devoted to God than all the other prophets? I don't believe that would be the case either. You think of a man like Enoch in the book of Genesis who prophesied of those things that would happen in the last days, and he was so much in fellowship with God that the Lord took him before he even died. Who would speak about the wonder and the prophetic a task and responsibility and ministry of Moses, a great man. And yet, Jesus said that John was greater than all those. And undoubtedly, the reason behind the statement that Christ made was because John was the voice of one that was speaking and preparing the way for the ministry of Messiah as he would begin. John had the privilege, the blessing, the honor of baptizing Christ in the River Jordan. What a wonder. What a move of condescension that Jesus did to allow a servant, one He had created, to be involved in that. And surely as John spoke those words, as he saw Christ standing and coming toward Him from that crowd. And He declared, Behold, the Lamb of God, which beareth away the sins of the world. As we think and have been thinking on this verse now today, I pray that our hearts will be open and that this great truth would not only penetrate deeply into our souls, but the simplicity of the words would come again with how profound they really are, and that we would think much more of our Lord, and 
we'll be drawn closer to Him, the One who has loved us with an everlasting love. We thought this morning, why a lamb? And we were drawn back to Exodus 12 because the whole account of the Passover and the command that a lamb was to be taken for the household, an animal that was innocent, and one that has been so chosen because of the display of innocence, an animal without any defense, very timid, very shy, very gentle. Throughout the Old Testament, the Lord has shown us that example of this animal. And by type and shadow, the Messiah would be shown as this innocent lamb. John the Baptist, who prepared the way of the Lord and spoke on that great day, it was an unparalleled message. It was something that was given to this man to be able to speak, and how that honor John took very seriously. We thought, too, about the words that are behind us on the pulpit wall, and how that has been for this church, for this congregation, it has been a motto. It has been a statement of purpose. It has been a gospel text that has been there as a message of truth. As we continue tonight, I want us to think in the second main point, what does it mean to behold the Lamb of God? We thought about the reason why God chose that symbol of a lamb, as strange as it would be to us. What does it really mean to behold the Lamb of God? The word behold is translated from a common Greek word that means to see. And for those in John's day, when Christ walked on earth, people were able to see Him with their physical eye. But that did not mean that they truly saw Him. You see, the Pharisees and the Levites and the governors, those who were Romans, those who were rich men, and those who were the laboring men in Israel at that time, many, many people saw the physical Christ walking on this earth. And for that matter, there were many that saw Him that could not have cared less. Oh, they might have heard the words of this man preaching. They might have been interested with all the commotion that was around about who He was claimed to be. But they went on about their daily business, and they really cared less. And sometimes there were those people that the Lord confronted. And when they were confronted by Him, still at that point they said, leave us, we don't want anything to do with you. And could there have been anything more shocking than those people to whom the Lord had presented Himself through the deliverance of the demon man of Gadara, and after he who had 
tormented the community, was among the tombs, did not have any clothes on, could not be bound by even chains. And when he met the Lord, Christ cast the devils out. And here is this man now seated, clothed in his right mind, listening to the words and the preaching and the teaching of Christ. And the devils that were released from that man went into the herd of swine, ran down the slope, and were drowned in the sea. And that community, that city, when they heard what had happened and they could come out, they said to Christ, leave us. Leave from our our society, our community, our place. Why? Because they did not want any further damage. (laughs) It's a most amazing thing. How many people were confronted by Christ? They saw Him, the physical frame. And yet they didn't want anything to do with Him. They wanted Him to leave. They wanted Him to depart. No, my friends, I will tell you that to behold the Lamb of God is something much more than just a physical look at Him. It must be a look by faith to believe in His name. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That great word from Romans chapter 10. And what did Paul say to the Philippian jailer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Is that not the same word that Philip spoke to the Ethiopian eunuch when he met him in the desert? If he would receive and believe in Christ, then he would be saved. And what does that mean? It is to believe that Christ is the Savior. It's very interesting when we think of this idea of beholding the Lamb, and that beholding is by faith in order to believe. Back in the Old Testament, in the days of Moses, Israel was in the wilderness, and they had been given the provision by God of the water from the rock and the bread that came down, the manna. But the people were dissatisfied with that, and they complained to Moses and were told in the book of Numbers, chapter 21, that the people loathed, they hated this light bread. God provided for them. They were hungry, they were starving before, and the Lord provided for them. Well, God's patience at that point had come to a place where He was going to extend to them a lesson, but it was a forceful one. And He sent what we are told are fiery serpents into the entire congregation. And everyone who was bitten by those, they were overcome with a great fever, and many of them died. And so, while this was going on, uh, some of the people, they realized that they had sinned against the Lord, and they ran to Moses. They said, please pray for us. We have sinned. Moses prayed, and then he was told what to do. Make 
a serpent out of brass or bronze, put it on a pole, and may it be lifted up high so that the people that were there could see it. And he said that everyone who looked to that image that Moses had made, they would be healed. Now, you couldn't have Imagine anything more simple to do if you had been bitten by a serpent and you were writhing in pain because of the fever and ready to die, and the remedy was set before you. This serpent on the stick that was illustrated was up. All you had to do was look. But how many people, they did not look, and they died from that poison? The whole thing is very strange, isn't it? It seems rather puzzling that God would use an image of a serpent. The very thing that had bitten the people, the very thing that was the expression and the means of their death. But here is something even stranger, because our Lord Jesus in John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15, says these words. He says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The message of salvation was, look to the One who is lifted up, and Christ associates Himself with that very serpent that Moses lifted up. What does all this mean? John Calvin commented about the situation in Numbers 21. He said this, nothing would at first sight appear more unreasonable than a brazen serpent should be made, the sight of which should extirpate, should take away the deadly poison. For just as no healing was conveyed by the serpent to any who did not turn their eyes toward it when set up on high, so the look of faith only causes those who look to Christ for salvation to be saved. So, John Calvin saw the unreasonableness on the surface of what it would be to look to that brazen serpent in order to be healed. But you see, my friends, the Lord was showing to them that that serpent in the Old Testament represented the sin and the curse that was upon the people and how they died as a result of their sin against the Lord. And so when we look and think about how Christ said, if I be lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, Christ Jesus was made a curse for us. He was made in order sin for us so that we looking unto Him by faith would have our sins placed upon Him so that we would be forgiven, and we would be healed. And I say to you tonight, my friend, if you are sick in your sin, if you are unsaved tonight, 
then I say to you, look by faith. Behold the Lamb of God by faith. For it is only that look that you will be healed. And each one of us here tonight who know Christ, we have already beheld the Lamb of God. And by His grace we have seen Him. And in seeing Him we know that He is our Lord, our Redeemer, our Savior, and our Friend. But I want you to notice also tonight, what will you see when you look to Christ by faith? What is it that you will see? And I say tonight, friends, you will see the Lamb, Christ, as your Savior. And that look of faith will be to you life into your soul. You will see the Lord Jesus not just as some prophet. You'll not just see Him as some noble teacher. You'll not see Him as an example that we should follow. But you will behold Him as your Savior and you will take Him to yourself. Oh, I say tonight, friend, by faith you will behold the sinless Lamb of God. Is that not so necessary? So absolutely necessary that we have a sacrifice that is one that is perfect. You remember this morning from Exodus 12 that one of the requirements for the lamb that was to be taken for each household was that the lamb had to be without spot. And that simply means it had to be without any imperfection. And what God was saying to the people was, when you look to bring that lamb that is going to be the atonement for you, you can't take something from the flock that is rather discarded. Don't take something that you couldn't sell in the marketplace. No, it has to be the perfect one. It has to be the best one. And he was emphasizing that to the people. And so we are brought face to face with our Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless Lamb of God, who was without spot. He was without disease. He was without any imperfection. No, friend. He is the holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, Lamb of God. And I'm thankful for that tonight. Because if it was not for the sinlessness of our Lord Jesus, we would not have a Savior who could save us from our sins. Because if the sacrifice being offered to make atonement for my soul is not that which can be accepted by the Father in heaven to be over all our sin, then, friends, we are in grave trouble tonight. But I say to you, we have a perfect, sinless 
representative and Savior. Ah, tonight, we see ourselves as so unworthy of it all. We see ourselves as so dark and sinful at times. And when we are called to look back to the hole of the pit from which we have been digged out of, and the darkness of our own heart, and the sin of our own corruption, ah, friend, tonight we can say, praise the name of our Lord, for He is the Lamb that is sinless. We also think when we behold Him by faith, He is the suffering Lamb. And in this, He suffered in many ways. The Lord suffered when He came down to this world and to mingle among sinful humanity. Remember, He is said to be separate from sinners. That means because the Lord in His perfection to be in a world filled with sinners, it was for Himself a step of great condescension, but it was also an element of suffering. And then when He went about beginning His ministry, and He goes to Nazareth, His own hometown, and He speaks the Word of God faithfully in the synagogue, and then they are going to take Him and take Him to the brow of the hill to throw Him over because they rejected who He was. They believed He was an imposter. He came unto His own, but His own received Him not. They accused Him of being a liar. They accused Him of being born of fornication because Mary was not married at the time, and they felt that she had had some adulterous relationship, guilty of fornication. And so they said to him, we are not born of fornication as you are. Can you stop and think for a moment of the slight that was of the sinless Son of God? being accused by these rebellious and wicked and dirty men of what he, they said He was. No, the Lord suffered having to mingle with these people. But the suffering of the Lord goes far beyond that. For as He knew from all eternity what He was coming to earth to do, and He did not turn away from that, he embraced that as knowing it was the plan of God. And he suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. And as he bore that cross, it wasn't the weight of the cross. No, it was the wrath of God upon him for my sin and for your sin. And so when we think about the anguish and the pain of the suffering as He was nailed to the cross, and all of those things were physical torments and pains that were so great, and yet the greatest of all is that He bore our sin upon Him. 
And when God made Him to become sin for us, He who knew no sin, it was foreign to Him. And yet He drank the entire cup dry of all our iniquities, of all our sins. Do you see Him, friend, the suffering Lamb? Have you beheld Him in that way? by faith? Have you seen Him as the silent Lamb? We've been considering a little bit of that from Isaiah 42, and how that the prophecy was He would not strive. He would not cry out in the streets. His voice would not be heard in the streets. And tried to explain this morning that that does not mean that His voice was not audible in the streets. It doesn't mean that He was not teaching and preaching. It does not mean that He was not as He did cry out, if any man thirst, let him come to Me and drink. Yes, the Lord Jesus Christ preached the Word. So it does not mean when it says His voice was not heard in the streets, but it does mean this, He was not clamorous. He was not one who strove. He was not one that tried to put forth His message with acrimony or any kind of distress that was not the Son of God. He was silent. And Peter tells us that when Jesus was reviled, He reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but He committed Himself to the hand of Him who He knew did justly. Ah, friends, stop and think about that in our own Christian testimony. And how far we have gone sometimes in reviling back those who have reviled us, or how we have spoken to those that we feel have injured us, how we have struck back at times by our, our attitude, our, our action, our words, whatever it is. And yet our Lord Jesus was a silent lamb, and He bore all of that rebuke and rebuff and suffering and passion. As a lamb, He was silent in His sufferings. As a lamb, He did not defend Himself. As a lamb, He innocently went to the cross, and He gave His life that we could have life and have it more abundantly. In the summertime, we were over in Northern Ireland and we went to visit Jill's uncle's farm. And he has about 50 sheep or so. And it's very, very amusing if you don't know much about them, which I do not, but he went out to the field to bring them in because we had our granddaughters with us and they wanted to see the sheep and the lambs. And so, 
as adults, we had to stand on the other side of the fence of the gate because if we were on the inside, the sheep wouldn't come near. So Billy went out to the field and uh, he rallied them because they know him. And again, the picture of the sheep knowing the shepherd was quite fascinating because he went out there and of course it was feeding time. And as he walked back from the field, they were all around him. He could hardly take a step and they were all around his feet and everything. And we were standing on the other side of the gate and they came running up and as soon as they saw us, they stopped. And they stepped, they wouldn't come any farther forward. And I think maybe more adults, they'd be more timid of those. But our little granddaughters, they were on the inside of the, of the gate and there was no danger to them at all. But as the sheep were a little bit timid, but they started to come around and of course they had some uh, feed in their hands and so they began to feed them and you could see how they became a little bit more comfortable, even the smallest ones. But they were very fearful, very timid. And there is no danger to you at all because they just don't have that streak in them. And it's quite fascinating to consider and to see how in nature that little animal is so been used to depict the Lord in His gentleness. The Lord, as He went to the cross, He made no noise. And, and a sheep does not make that noise. It suffers through the time of pain and anguish. And you've heard that we read in Isaiah 53 how the lamb before her shearers is silent, is dumb. And that's exactly the way it is. A sheep that is being sheared does not make any fight. Ah, friends, these things are, are very much a picture for us. And as we look by faith to our Lord and we see Him and we behold Him, we behold Him as a slain lamb because there He went all the way to the cross and did not back away. That time in the garden where He said, Lord, let this cup pass from Me, but not My will. Thy will be done. And He pursued the cause. And He pursued our redemption. And He went all the way to the cross. And He went there willingly as the Lamb suffering in our place. And He was slain for us. Have you seen Him as the Lamb tonight? Have you beheld Him? Could I say to you, believer, Behold Him afresh tonight. Behold Him again. And pray in your heart even now that the Lord would give to us all a fresh view of our Savior and what He did on Calvary for us. And if you view Him that way, and if you have taken Him in that way, then, friend, I say to you tonight that the Lamb of God is sufficient for us. He is the sufficient Lamb of God because all that we need is in Him. 
and all that we need for our faith and salvation and life, it's all in our Lord. There's nothing more that we could desire beyond Him. There's certainly nothing more we need. He takes care of everything. Look, if there was one sin that you and I had to atone for, if Christ did not make atonement for it, we would be not in heaven, but we would be separated in hell. But no, He has covered all the ground. He has covered and sufficiently taken care of all my sin. There's nothing more that I have to pay for. And so, believer, tonight, rejoice in that. Let not the devil beat you with guilt, but say to him, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And God the Father, He hath separated from us as far as the east is from the west. He has cast our transgressions into the sea of His forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us again. Yes, we have a sufficient Lamb. And we also have in the glory of a sovereign Lamb. He is our King. He is our Lord. He is coming back again to this world. And as He ascended, He will come back in bodily form as well. And we're looking forward to that day that day of the return of our Messiah, our Redeemer, our King. The Lord Jesus Christ is not waiting to be King. No, friend, He was born a King. And He is a King to this day. And our King, our Sovereign, we are looking to see Him come back. And we will be with Him forever and forever. Ah, friends, tonight, as we've been thinking about these matters and we've been considering uh, deeply these things, what will you see when you look to Christ by faith? You will see a sinless, suffering, silent, slain, sufficient and sovereign Lamb. And I say this, friends, when you look by faith to Him, you will look to the Lamb of God alone. Nothing else and no one else. When we think of the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Christ, it means that when we present the message of salvation, it is Christ and Him alone. That's the only answer for our salvation. And so that's why any religion or any teaching or church or movement that tries to add something on top of Christ is a heresy, is a false teaching. That's why when the Roman church tells us that you have to have faith in Christ plus your good works in order to be accepted by God, no, when you come to die, you will have to go to purgatory for thousands of years to burn off your sins that were not covered by the blood of Calvary's cross. It is an abominable heresy and a foolish thing. You cannot have Christ plus anything for salvation. It is the Lamb alone. 
And that's why I say to you tonight, friend, and if you're watching online this evening and you don't know Him, don't try to come with your cleaned-up life. Don't try to come with self-righteousness and say, I'm going to be a, a good presentation. The Lord will receive me then. No, we can't do that. It's not our good works. It's not our upbringing. It's not our church membership. It's not baptism. It's none of those things that will give us warrant to God. It is Christ Jesus alone. That's my only argument, my only plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. And once we have looked to the Lamb of God and beheld Him in all of these areas, we will look to Him with great confidence, with great certainty, with great assurance, and that there's nothing and no one and no power in heaven or hell or on the earth that can take us out of the Father's hand. We are held there securely because we've been brought in by Christ's righteousness and we cannot be taken out by self-will, by some other power. No, friend, we have confidence and we have boldness to approach unto the throne of God and lay hold upon God. And that's what we do. And we have that with thanksgiving tonight. So, friend, if you are out of Christ, what should you do? You must repent. Repent of your sin. And you must receive Christ as your Savior. And then you will be able to rejoice with great confidence because He is yours, and you belong to Him, and He belongs to you. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Father, as we are still at the close of this service, I pray that the Holy Spirit now would work in every heart and, Lord, cause us to be filled with thanksgiving and praise and to recount over and over and to delve deeper into our Lord Jesus in the sense, as Paul said, oh, that I might know Him, to know more of all He did for us know of all He suffered for us, to know of how silently He took all suffering and pain. And, O oh God, tonight I pray that we will walk worthy of Him and of the high calling that we have in Christ Jesus. And, Lord, for any who are uncertain of their faith, maybe they don't have assurance Maybe they're still wondering. Lord, draw them inexorably to rest upon the finished work of our Lord Jesus and to behold the Lamb of God which beareth away the sins of the world. And so, Father, hear our prayer tonight. We ask this in Jesus' precious and holy name. 
Amen. Let's sing number 299. I have a message from the Lord. Hallelujah. The message unto you I'll give. It is recorded in His Word. Hallelujah. It is only that you look and live. Verses 1 and 3 will stand pleased to sing. Father, receive our thanks for this day and our time in Your house. And we pray that the Word would be fastened to all hearts. And so, Lord, go in front of us for this entire week. May the joy and the strength and the peace given by the Savior through the Spirit be our portion every moment of every day. Give us, Lord, expectation as we come to the nights of prayer. And we ask, Lord, that we will do business with our God in prayer. So part us now in Your fear with Your rich and mighty blessing. For we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.